You're listening to a podcast from Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. This is highlights from our weekly service. Welcome everyone to Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church. MCC is an international Christian denomination that is committed to the basic Christian gospel that the love of God is available for all people. And it's available to you and to me this very evening or whenever you happen to be watching uh, our service. We've been considering the kingdom of God over the past few weeks. Specifically, we've been focusing in on images of the kingdom. We will hear presently our readings from Psalm 119 and from Matthew chapter 3. We will respond to the psalm by singing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. As we're thinking about the kingdom of God, We heard a little bit about building the kingdom of God in our pride service last week. Let us spend a few moments in quiet and let us pray. The kingdom of God is mercy and grace. The prisoners are freed. The sinners find place. The outcast are welcomed, God's banquet to share, and hope is awakened in place of despair. Let us be God's hands and feet as we build this new realm on earth. Amen. Let us listen to our readings. The psalm for today is Psalm 119. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep her statutes and seek her with all their heart. They do nothing wrong, they walk in her ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth, and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 31 to 33 and 44 to 52. The parable of the mustard seed. Jesus put before them another parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make their nests in, their, in its branches. Parable of the East. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Three more parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells forth all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down and put the good into baskets but throughout the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Good evening. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found pleasing in your sight, our God and creator of all. Amen. When I was a little girl at school and learning about grammar, my English teacher had some handy phrases to enable us to remember some of the simple parts of English speech. So an adjective was a describing word, a noun was the name of something or title, and a verb was a doing word. Now, I went to a secondary modern school and was obliged to leave at 15. But these descriptions have stood me in very good stead over the years. Their simplicity encouraged me to learn more about grammar, and grammar generally that is, because well-spoken English is, I believe, essentially clear and unambiguous communication. But other members of our Board of Trustees might also argue that I'm a bit of a scourge when it comes to writing our papers. But this evening, I hope you'll come to see that following Jesus, that is, faith in the Christian context, is definitely a verb. It's definitely a doing word. As our theme during these weeks is the Kingdom of God, let me say at this point that I do understand that some listeners have some reticence in using masculine gender terms, such as kingdom, when a non-gendered expression would be preferable. 
and in some circumstances I too would use Commonwealth of God. However, in this instance, I'm quoting the direct words of Jesus. It's also like um, the phrase, son of man. It's a specifically biblical phrase with its own special meaning in that context. So, images of the kingdom. We need here first to examine why, in Matthew's Gospel, we have two titles for this kingdom. We have both kingdom of God and we have kingdom of heaven. So which is it? God or heaven? Is there a difference or were the writers of the Gospel of Matthew just trying to keep us on our toes? First, we need to remember a, a fact which is all too frequently overlooked. Jewish people in the practice of their religion avoid using the word God. Their fear was and is that if you give the Almighty a name or a title, you leave yourself wide open to other attributes being applied, uh, judgments and assumptions made, and sometimes um, people would present personal and possibly inaccurate interpretations, thus reducing the stature and power of the God who is I am. For when Moses asked God on Mount Sinai what name he should give to the people so that they could name God, God replied, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And you may remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells the woman at the well, I am he. And in other places, Jesus similarly aligns himself with God in this manner. Now, as you may know, the four Gospels, though sometimes similar, were all written by different people, possibly groups of people, and for different congregations. It's generally accepted by scholars now that Matthew's Gospel was written for the Jewish community. So this may be why the Kingdom of Heaven is written so many times in this Gospel and hardly anywhere else in the New Testament, because it avoids using the Hebrew name for God. There are historically four letters which denote the holy name. YH and WH. It's called the Tetragrammaton, but that's just me showing off. But because there are no vowels in the Hebrew language, no one really knows how to pronounce it. So someone added some vowels and the result was Yahweh. Personally, out of respect for our Jewish ancestors and our present day Jewish siblings, uh, I prefer not to use it, but others do. Throughout the Hebrew scriptures, there is little doubt of the kingship of God. As creator of all, ruler and determiner of the fate of nations, and as ruler of the kingdoms of Israel, who God called to be the chosen people. But these people would not listen to the prophets, urging the people to act in accordance with their title, that is chosen, to heed their warnings that God wanted a different and a better world, one of justice, of harmony and peace. This, of course, was why God eventually came to earth in the person of Jesus and why we are all meeting here tonight, a bunch of willing Christians wanting to do God's will. For the purposes of my reflection, I will use our Christian recognition of the Most High in the word God. 
So what is this kingdom of God? Is it something we can recognise? Or something we end up in when we die? The popular belief is that in Matthew these terms are and can be interchangeable, so I'm going to go with interchangeable. Our reading from Matthew's Gospel tonight contains several stories, but we've highlighted two. Parables in which Jesus lays out what the kingdom of God is to be and what building the kingdom of God on earth really means for us. How important it is, crucially important it is, to our lives as Christians. Jesus calls his disciples not only to be his followers, like sheep after a shepherd, but to become an active and crucial part of the building of the kingdom, which really can only mean if we do what Jesus did, and that is radical action. And this doesn't just mean the disciples that surrounded Jesus in first century Palestine. It does mean us too. Jesus not only told us what building the kingdom was and is and what is required to bring it about, but he showed us clearly and unequivocally. He soothed, he healed, he fed, he watered. He celebrated relationships and being fully alive. He argued his case, but he knew when to remain silent. He not only forgave his enemies, but he put their cruel actions and their potential resentment immediately behind him. Jesus did not bear grudges. He spoke of peace and he offered it to anyone who would listen. And he went the extra mile for anyone who needed it. And then to boost his strength for his mission, he spent regular periods in prayer, which, as we know, is the bedrock of all spiritual energy. And he asked us to do the same on all counts. Action, always action. I've said before that living the Jesus life is tough. Building the kingdom of God is both very simple and very difficult, especially in these COVID days and the world proceeding as it is. Jesus was very human, and so he too will have found it difficult. So we can't expect it to be any different for us. It is hard to be a good Christian, to be a worker on God's building site. Jesus made no bones about it. Sacrifices may have to be made, all kinds of sacrifices. But let me ask a question of you. If you found a box of treasure in a field, would you sell everything to own the field? If you found a pearl of great price, would you risk everything, everything else, to own it? If we're prepared to throw ourselves into the Christian life, which is synonymous with building the kingdom, then sacrifices may have to be made. But it isn't all doom and gloom because along with the effort come the rewards. Mostly this involves living our own truth in the knowledge that there is authenticity and relevance in what we do. Our lives will have a special meaning allied to Christ and improving the world around us. As we say at the communion table, this is God's table. 
So we say now, this is God's realm. But some of you already know what living your own truth can mean and the sacrifice that this sometimes entails. How many of you who are gay had to potentially risk and maybe sacrifice much, if not all, to what and to whom you held dear in order to come out to those you love and to the wider world? In parts of the world, personal truth of this nature has to remain hidden for fear of people having to make the ultimate sacrifice, just as Jesus did on the cross. In this country, I have ministered to people who have been thrown out of their homes their, from their families for being gay or lesbian or trans and ending up on the streets. Those of you who are trans remember how hard it was when you knew definitively that your interior knowledge of yourself was at odds with how the world saw you. The hard decision as to how and when you needed to share this first with your family and then with doctors and then with the community and always with risk and possible sacrifices. And the same goes for anyone confronting their own truth, their own reality, their own place in the world. It costs. Especially if you are going against the so-called norms of society or family. But living authentically brings us nearer to God than living a lie. And oh the joy of being who we truly are. Elsewhere in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus makes it plain. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Yet more action. If we are to replicate on earth what the psalmist says about God's actions in the world. Treasure in a field, pearls of great price, they're picturesque images of the value of the kingdom of God. But I'm preaching to people who know what hard choices and their consequences mean. So it is with building the kingdom of God. If we believe in ourselves as Christians, then we'll want to follow the example of Jesus, of reaping the rewards of obtaining what we always wanted, to be fully alive, fully active, and fully true to our vocation as human beings, Christian human beings. Now, how do we achieve this? Well, reading about Jesus's actions and trying to copy them for a start, bearing witness to the truth whenever and wherever possible, praying for strength, determination, and steadfastness, and by small acts of love towards our neighbor, which of course means everybody by attention focused on the world around us and healing it where we can by intention to desire God and to desire the very best for our neighbor by direction directing our attention always to God keeping God in our sights and to God's desire for the world as taught by Jesus 
by solidarity with God in all our efforts, so that we embed ourselves in our intimate relationship with God, to become more like Jesus and to build the kingdom in our own little corner of the world. In preparing this sermon, when I looked again at what I'd written, I realised that these suggestions, these words of mine, spelt out A-I-D-S. We all know that AIDS is a vile condition which has destroyed millions of good people. But perhaps this is a reminder why, remembering all those people, we must dedicate ourselves to building more of this kingdom of God wherever we are, by A for attention to God and all who suffer, I for intention in our determination to serve our neighbour and in doing so, our God who dwells in every person. D for direction, God-focused, who directs our hearts constantly towards goodness. S for solidarity with everyone who comes our way and in whom we meet God. Through our AIDS, we can change the world into the kingdom of God, in which no one ever again has to suffer from a curable disease and into which we can bring healing. So do we take the risk? Build the kingdom of God together under the guidance of our leader, Jesus, the Christ, in unity and in peace, and ensuring that the faith that we hold in the God that we love becomes more than ever active, action, and definitely a doing word. All glory to you, creator of all, Jesus the Christ and the spirit of life, as it was in the beginning, is today and for eternity. Amen. In our Northern Lights Church, we light a candle every week just before our time of prayer to remind ourselves that our denomination of the Metropolitan Community Church was set up in the 1980s in response to the exclusion of some people from the support of Christian churches. We believe that the love of Jesus extends to everyone. Therefore, our remit is also unlimited. But we particularly remember every week those living with HIV and AIDS, those who have lost loved ones due to AIDS, those who search for ways to cure or treat this illness, and those in countries around the world who make decisions about the availability of treatment. So as we come to our time of prayer, I'm lighting the AIDS candle, which reminds us every week that the love of Jesus is unconditional and extends to everyone. Today, we link our regular reminder about the love of Jesus extending to those suffering the consequences of HIV with special prayerful concern about viral hepatitis. 
The 28th of July is World Hepatitis Day. And so we are asked today to think particularly about the millions of individuals suffering from hepatitis and the millions more living with hepatitis unaware. Without finding the undiagnosed and linking them to care, it is estimated that about 290 million people will suffer and lives will be lost. So this week, we are asked to play our part in raising awareness to find these missing millions. And of course, we continue to offer prayers for the increasing number of people suffering from coronavirus and those suffering the pain or loss of a loved one, often without the potential comfort of companionship during the final days. I invite you now to join me in some prayers of intercession. Creator God, we thank you for revealing to us your understanding of human suffering. We bring before you those in pain, whether pain of body, mind or spirit. We pray that the sheer numbers of those suffering around the world do not numb our sensitivity and our drive to prioritise the care of the sufferers and the search for ways to ease and eliminate the causes of the suffering. Causes such as HIV, hepatitis and coronavirus. We bring before you those in pain who are known to us, whether it is pain of body, mind or spirit. We pray for those whose circumstances have been made known to Pastor Ronnie. We pray for those whose pain is known to us personally, whether a colleague, a friend or a family member. We pray for those who continue to make personal sacrifices in the service of those who are ill, whether in hospitals, care homes or in the community. We pray for the government and all those who make decisions about the health and well-being of all of us. Decisions about the provision of support for those in poverty, decisions about asylum, decisions about protection from injustice, bigotry, discrimination and dishonesty. We ask for your continued blessing on the leaders of your churches around the world, including Cecilia and those who guide the Federation of Metropolitan Community Churches. We pray for our Pastor Ronnie and those who contribute to ensuring that our Northern Lights Church continues to offer worship and pastoral support during these difficult times. We pray for all our congregation, for everyone involved in Rainbow Home and for individuals associated with our church whose difficulties are known to us personally. We pray for those closest to us. 
we bring before you their concerns and their fears. And finally, we pray for ourselves. We bring before you our concerns and our fears. Creator God, King of heaven and earth, we bring to you the prayers of Northern Lights Metropolitan Community Church and the individual prayers of each one of us, as you have invited us to do. And now we accept your invitation to offer as our own prayer, the prayer which unites Christians around the world. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. And so we say together the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us evermore. Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about what we do, you can find us on social media or visit our website, northernlightsmcc.org.uk.